You are listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. I'm your host, Sierra Nicholson. I'm joined now by KPMG Advisory Principal Evan Metter. Evan, welcome. We're so I'm glad so to happy have to you. be here. Thank you. Evan, you're talking to us today about the future of HR. And, you know, we've had some other folks in the studio with us. We've heard about the future of finance. We've heard about um, the future of claims. Um, But we're really excited to talk to you about this topic because we love the human element. So um, one of the things that you talk about is is beginning a a culture journey. And you're really great about making the point that at the beginning of that journey, a company needs to ask itself, what kind of culture do we want? And I would love to hear from you. What are the impacts of, why is that decision so important? Yeah, if we think about what the HR function needs to do for any organization, right, there are some key things. One of them is actually creating the culture, which manifests itself in all sorts of ways, right? What's important? How do we value it? How do we reward it? How do we reinforce it? And we're living through this very disruptive, turbulent time right now where business models are changing, the kinds of skills are changing that we need, which we can talk about a little bit later, the technology is changing, um, and through that change, organizations are looking for what is the constant that we can rely on that defines us, and right now, that really is a culture of collaboration and innovation and thinking differently, um, and that needs, to be, that needs to be managed and created very deliberately in our view, right? That doesn't happen. That's not something you can do through posters, et cetera. There's a multifaceted way in terms of both defining the culture and then reinforcing it and finding out where along people's experience with any organization, they're exposed to the culture, experiencing it, and it's, it's a real thing, right? There's real rewards. It's really underlined, and, um, and, and organizations aren't just, it's not just talking points, right? And that is something because we've seen what can happen in cultures that are dysfunctional or poisonous or have a, a culture of just, just growth without doing it in the right way, and we see bad behavior, and we see the impact organizations when you have a culture that's not operating in a healthy way, right? People leave, they don't want to stay, they're not giving the discretionary effort, and you're not getting the results ultimately through that culture. So one, there's a very... Why do it? It's the right thing to do. It's creating a workplace that people want to be at your organization, et cetera. But the other why is we've seen a real return economically in terms of having a culture. People are making connections. People are thinking differently. And that's not just about hiring bright people, right? Lots of organizations have bright people. It's creating the context for where they can do that, right? And that we find that culture is a big part of that. It's interesting because I, I think it's easy to believe that culture is, is happening organically. Right. But from what you're saying, this is like, you know, kind of anything else in life. It takes work, right? You, it's something that needs to be tended. It's incredibly deliberate. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think we make the mistake when, as leaders and organizations, we believe that the culture is this, right? And then we look at to see... Are our behaviors and expectations, is that true in all aspects of what we're doing? Is it embedded? And so one of the things that we're doing with lots of organizations right now is defining what kind of culture you intend to be, right? And then we're actually dissecting the life cycle and and how employees are experiencing their expectations, what's being met through all of those moments that matter right, in the life cycle. Everything from when you're first finding the organization to you're operating the organization, how you're delivering and how you're working. And we're analyzing 
are we actually delivering, is the culture really coming through? And what we're finding is very surprising, is that as we're sharing these results back with the executives, you know, who are commissioning these kinds of studies, we're finding that in some cases and pockets, yes. In other cases, we have behaviors and systems and, and reinforcement that's not necessarily putting that desired culture front and center. And that allows them to pinpoint that and to correct it, right? Culture is one of those things where if it's choppy, if it's not if it's not delivered in a consistent way, then we're sending mixed messages, and then it's hard to say, truly, this is our culture. Mm-hmm. Something that we've um, been here, or some themes that we've been hearing a lot about the last couple of days are um, the importance of really harnessing and managing data, considerations about where an insurance company is on the, on the AI journey in, ter- in mm-hmm. terms of um, cognitive. But you have s- some really interesting things to say about I noticed sort of a, an interesting balance in your presentation about um, the really unmet demand for technical skills around those areas that we think of, but that there's also still a lot of demand for these very human capabilities, and I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean, let's think about the people that we all work with, right? All of us work with, with people, and we know that the business context is driving certain very technical things, like you said, around being able to process large amounts of data and make connection and do that deep analysis, right? Um, having a digital face of our, of our companies and of our offerings in terms of being able to be easy to work with and interact with and seamless. And there are consumer expectations, right, on what, does, what do you know about me? How are you using that? How are you making my life easier and et cetera? And, and a lot of those pieces have a, a technical component to actually delivering on that. But there's another piece which as leaders of people and organizations, one, delivering a, a human-centric experience, right? And that can be for the customer, that can be for the, for the employee as well. Remember, employees are, are just customers with a different, you know, looking a different way, right? So one is empathy and this, this human-centric characteristic of having empathy, um, being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and see their experience and, and, and experiencing it from their point of view, right? And being able to think about that. The other is storytelling. Right? So as we talk about this technological revolution and blockchain and AI and all those fun things, still, we're still interacting with people. Right? People are still buying our products and services. We're still managing and directing people. And humans are social, and we respond to storytelling. We need to understand how this fits into a bigger narrative. And so we're starting to see more measurement around those human characteristics, like empathy, like storytelling, like being able to activate networks. Um, it is not about transitioning from a human-centered workforce to digital labor, right? It is about the same course of history that we've always done, right, from the buggy whip to the automobile to the word processor. How do we harness the power of these two new technologies to do the work that is we can transition to the... But we still need humans to be able to make connections, tell the stories, design things for other humans. And that's where some of these more less technical, more human-centric uh, capabilities are now being measured and, and really built inside organizations. We're increasingly cognizant of their growing importance because of how much is now we can put toward the technical. Yeah. So what you're saying is the H in HR does still stand for human. It still is very <laughs> human. I would say it, it's decidedly human. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's a lot of focus on will robots take our jobs. And I think the answer there is yes in pieces. Mm-hmm. Our, our jobs are becoming, uh, we, when we do the research, we see that the jobs are not going away. Um, like a robot is not one-for-one one replacing human. But what's happening is, as it's always happened, technology is 
atomizing the jobs. There are, there are pieces of people's jobs that n no longer are efficient and should be done by a human because we can get, whether it's an RPA robot or it's uh, uh, AI, to do that. But it's not replacing all of people's jobs, and there's still human potential in terms of allowing us to level up and focus on the things that are decidedly human, right? So that's where we're paying a lot of attention. We're seeing big differentiators from efficiencies perspective, from getting to the analytics. You need to rely on those technologies. But then you need, what we're working right now is retooling the workforce to be focusing on the pieces of the jobs that are decidedly human, right? And, and actually, you'd think that it's more challenging to do the technical side, but it's not. It's actually, it's actually much more challenging and why I think it's a great time to be in the HR function to be able to retool the, 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 the human part of the workforce. And to do that, we can't just say, get better, do these things better. It is about learning and development. It is about training, right? It is about reinvesting in the people that we work with to help them put down those elements that we want them to put down because they can be better done by uh, these new technologies. And to be able to then reinvest in them and give them the new skills. And I think organizations, one, have a hard time communicating openly about this as a strategy, as a talent strategy. And to be able to say to people, the work will change, but we believe that, that we all have the ability to pivot and develop what is really valuable about what we can offer to complement right, the, these other pieces. And, and then I think the hard part is then to deliver on that. right? So it's one thing to say it and then be able to deliver on that for the workforce, which means how are you going to help me understand where I am in terms of my skills and competencies? How will you help me understand what I need to gain in order to be increasingly more valuable and relevant in the direction our organization is going? Mm -hmm. And then to be able to give it to me in a way in this modern world where I can consume it, it's, it's useful, um, it's effective, right? So can you give me, and that goes to all those strategies around can you give me learning in my, my, my mobile device, right, in bite-sized pieces when I need it? Can you anticipate the kinds of interactions and learning that I'm going to need and serve that up? And that is a very, that's a very challenging thing for an HR department to do, right? Um, but HR itself needs to pivot and be able to focus more on, and this is, the, this, is this conversation we're having with CHROs around insurance, around where do you as an HR group provide value to support the business strategy? There, it's not personnel anymore. It's not just sourcing talent. It's not hiring lots of people and managing to, There is always going to be an element of that for HR, but that is getting served itself by technology. It's refocusing, and where we're having great conversations with HR, CHROs and HR departments and insurers, is how do we now refocus and build HR of the future? That's where we're really focused with HR departments to really focus on what is the HR function of the future look like? One, what's the value that that organization is providing to the organization that's not providing today? So we talk about things like workforce planning, right? Workforce planning is an old idea. It's an idea that says, well, if this is the people I have and, and here's, how, here's their output, then in order to increase output and growth, we need these additional people, right? It's kind of almost like a marginal kind of equation, right? But what we're looking at is this, as the technology changes the nature of the work, no longer is workforce planning really the, 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 the goal. It's workforce shaping. It's saying, what are the skills and abilities and capacity 
that we need in these areas for where our business is going? And how do we build and buy and grow our, our, our people that we have and augment them with people that we don't have for those needs? And how do we change them, right? So it's not, I need more people to pull this lever or I need more actuaries, right? It is, I need this new skill set, which is much harder to do, right? It's a much harder ask of an HR department to do. HR needs itself new skills and technologies to deliver on that. But that's where insurers who are doing that have a competitive advantage, right? Because they're going to be much more nimble and agile in terms of shaping the workforce. And with the ancillary benefit, there'll be better places to work. So the people with those skills, with that drive and hunger, the innovators, the, the big thinkers, the, the system thinkers, the digital, all those skills we talked about, the insurers who create that culture and that environment and that experience to work in those spaces because their HR department is delivering on that value, that's where the top talent is going to go. And we've seen, more than anything, a strong correlation between top talent and innovation and ultimate economic success right, for the organization. So these things are both right to do, mm-hmm. they're good to do, but there is a real economic benefit for organizations that take the time and invest and do it right. One thing that you touched on there I'd like to hear a little bit more about is this idea of customer experience and what a priority it is for insurance companies. And you made a comment that we need to remember that the employee is just a customer looking the other way. So can you talk about HR's role in delivering you know, an excellent customer experience? Yeah, I um, have a colleague who likes to say, and I, I love this, we can't be Jetsons at home and Flintstones at work, mm-hmm. right? I think the, the patience for that um, and the expectations have, have run out. And um, I think in large part, organizations are realizing that part of the value proposition of talent, I mean, look where we are in terms of unemployment, and you can't just look at a general unemployment number. For the skills we're talking about that makes a big difference to someone's business, they're even tighter, right? We're all looking for those digital skills, those analytic skills, the ability to, to, to define great experiences for our customers and et cetera. So those skills are even in, in more short supply, right? There's not enough of them to be able to hire. And one of the differentiators in terms of where those people are going to go to do their best work is, is this organization crafting the experience for me that makes it easy to do work here, to grow, to get appreciated, to learn, to be connected, and, and to be developed? And the same principles. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I had this conversation with an organization last week about creating the principles for design of their external customer experience. Things like it needs to be simple, it needs to be transparent, we need to make it connected, it needs to be personalized. Like all of these design principles that go into the design of a site or a service or how you click, how you flow through, very, very deliberate design on those pieces, right? I think organizations are comfortable when looking at their customers that we're going to put in this energy to define that experience in a very deliberate way. What we're seeing now more and more are great companies, great CHROs and and HR departments applying those same principles for the internal experience and saying, wait a second, we have a great experience when we're courting you and we're looking to hire you, right, and tell you about the organization. But then as you come in and as you get onboarded and as you join a team and as you go through your first year 
and as you grow in your career and look for learning or have a life event or et cetera, we don't deliver on that expectation the same way because we don't put the same thoughtful design into making it simple and transparent and connected and personalized. And one of the huge opportunities, I think we're living at a great moment for the HR function, or some people are calling it now the employee experience function, right, is finally the technology has caught up to allow us to actually deliver that on the inside, right? I think we see, we've seen it much earlier on the consumer side, but we're seeing the technology in terms of engagement layers, HCMs, bots, chatbots, things through, uh, services delivered through your mobile devices, where now you don't have to be a Flintstone, right, at work, where coming to work feels like the same deliberate, empathetic, thoughtful design for your experience as an employee as you would as a customer of that same organization. And I'll close by saying it is very hard to be an organization that is acts one way towards your customers and acts a different way to your employees. What we're finding is it's very hard for an organization to act in one way and service customers with one set of principles and to act in a different way uh, and serve its, its service employees. And we don't think really it's sustainable to maintain that dichotomy, right? So this is something that we're seeing a huge change. Com- and this change in terms of focus on workforce shaping, focus on using data of your employees, focus on shaping the employee experience requires the HR function in these organizations to pivot. And that means, consequently, we're seeing adoption of new technology, adoption of new operating models, and the skills themselves within the HR function changing in order to meet that demand. This is a great time to be focused on talent and to be an HR professional if you're in an organization who can connect the dots between culture and experience. So we were talking about the future of HR. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the future of this conference. So you're back here in three years. You're talking about HR. What kind of themes do you think you'll be talking about then? In three years, a lot of organizations are going to make monumental progress in terms of shaping the employee experience, getting more deliberate on culture, and getting their HR functions sorted so they're focused on the right activities and providing the right value. I think in three years a lot of the early adopters of these will have figured out how to predict and get ahead and, um, of increasing AI. I mean, I don't think that's stopping, right? And so continuing to transform the workforce, I anticipate that the growth in terms of connecting different business models and different offerings is going to be, this would be a winner-take-all type of environment where the organizations that get ahead of that are going to grow much faster than organizations that don't. I think integrating organizations and integrating those experiences and integrating those cultures without losing at the core essence will be the challenge for those who win the first round, right? So those who don't win the first round, I think, are going to be still catching up. And those who get it right now are going to be in growth mode and are going to be looking at challenges of how do we sustain that growth through combining and expanding um, our offerings and connecting our products and creating a better experience across. And we're seeing this already in areas outside insurance. I think insurance, this is where we'll be in three years, where those who win the first round will be looking at how do I exponentially expand that and then grow um, organically and inorganically and maintain that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Evan. It's always a delight to talk to you, and we wish you the best. At the Thank you very much. You have been listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. 
For more insights, visit listen.kpmg.us slash insurance insights 360.